Welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy. Produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. Looking at legislation for ethanol and biodiesel in the new year. I'm your host, John Davis. Today we look at what legislation might affect the ethanol and biodiesel industries. While both fuels got some much-needed boosts late in 2010, there are some significant challenges ahead for legislation this year. And part of that starts with a major farm organization coming out against the ethanol blender's credit. American Farm Bureau Federation President Bob Stallman explains they want to shift the public money towards infrastructure, despite the fact that there are many Farm Bureau members who have ethanol interest. The change in direction with that policy relative to our uh, past position on renewable fuels, the blender credit, tariff, we left that pretty much the same. You know, that's been evolving this year. The whole discussion has been evolving uh, within the industry and within the Congress. Uh, there's been uh, some of the ethanol groups have been talking about using uh, dollars for infrastructure that could be taken away, if you will, or be substituted away from the, the blend credit, the VTEC. Uh, and so it's been out there and it's been talked a lot about. And, and obviously we have many members that are very close to the ethanol industry that own interests in ethanol plants and, uh, and obviously provide feedstock for those plants. And so there is a great interest in how we can move forward with renewable fuels. So it doesn't surprise me that that showed up in our policy this year. And, and frankly, our members have said it's a good idea for us to make that transition. Uh, and I think part of that is a recognition that maybe that blend credit, uh, you know, isn't serving as good a purpose as it could. And they also the fact that it is a pot of money out there that may be subject to budget reductions. And if we could shift that to infrastructure, you can make sort of a better public case or, or better uh, make the case that that's a better use of public funds. Retired General Wesley Clark, who serves as co-chairman of Growth Energy, a group representing ethanol interest, agrees with Stallman's assessment of moving more money toward infrastructure. What we've said at Growth Energy is we need to be thinking ahead for how to fix America's uh, dependence on foreign oil. And the way to do that is to create the infrastructure in the United States so that there's an alternative to to gasoline in the fuels marketplace. And that alternative has to be created at the service station. Unfortunately, a lot of these are controlled by the big oil industries themselves, so it's a little bit difficult, but not all of them are controlled. And uh, so we probably are going to need some incentives out there for service station owners to be able to invest in what we call blender pump technology. And, uh, and that can be done by giving them some of the credit that is being given right now to the blender itself. Now that's costing an estimate of $7 billion a year. So we'll probably support some kind of a reduction and some kind of a split so that the um, service station operator who is modernizing gets some of that tax credit. But the other piece of it, of course, is we want flex fuel vehicles. And we hope uh, Congress uh, will mandate and the states and localities will themselves say we're only going to buy flex fuel vehicles because we want to support America. Renewable Fuels Association President and CEO Bob Deneen says the real focus needs to be on this nation's energy policy. The way the 2010 finished up, it tees up a very important debate that I believe will continue throughout all of 2011, and that is, what is our fuel policy going to be? Uh, you know, the extension was only for a year. 
and I don't think we want to be uh, faced with a situation next December where we're trying to get another short-term extension. We need to get the Congress finally to, to focus on how we want to incentivize uh, all energy sources. I hope this is not a unilateral conversation about the corn ethanol tax incentive. Do we like it? Do we not like it? I hope that the Congress is prepared to address how we continue to subsidize petroleum, what we need to do in order to commercialize cellulosic technologies and other advanced biofuels, how we can continue to assure growth in the existing market demand for renewable fuels. That's going to take a real commitment on the part of the Congress uh, to, to truly delve into these issues. And Deneen welcomes the debate. You know, there's been a, a great deal of discussion throughout much of 2010 uh, from some that have suggested we don't need the tax incentive any longer, and it's all about market access. Well, let's have a, a real conversation about that, because it might be it's more than just about market access. It's also ultimately about market economics. And uh, we're going to be looking at that conference, at what the future for oil prices is going to be, what the future for grain prices is going to be, and, and hopefully we're going to have uh, a broad discussion among everybody in the industry as to what the future policy direction for the industry needs to be. On the biodiesel side of the House, Chairman of the National Biodiesel Board and Vice President of Sales and Marketing for the nation's largest biodiesel producer, Renewable Energy Group, Gary Hare says the green fuel enjoyed a Christmas gift with the renewal of the federal $1 a gallon biodiesel tax incentive. It was great news for the biodiesel industry. It had been a long time, a full year, that we had had the lapse of the tax credit, and that was very devastating to our industry. And so now we've got it back. It's extended through 2011. Uh, our industry is anxious to get started again, rehire people, bring idle production back into the marketplace, producing advanced biofuel and other biodiesel. Um, and then as an industry, we're going to work to get that tax credit extended on a longer basis because that's good for the financial health of our industry. Hare says one of the best things the biodiesel industry can do to help that legislation is to educate people that biodiesel is truly an advanced biofuel. It's significant that biodiesel is the only commercially available advanced biofuel. This isn't a promise that we'll be here in a year or two or in five years. It's here today. It's available now. Our capacity is here to expand production and make more of it available. We have 1.4 billion gallons of production capability that's ready to make this fuel. And we just need to get going. We're ready for the RFS to come into play and give us some uh, demand that we haven't had before as an industry. And that, coupled with the tax incentive, is complementary policy to help our industry move forward. Part of that effort by the NBB has been helped by its partnership with the United Soybean Board. Board Chairman Mark Curtis, a soybean grower from Mississippi, agrees that they need to build biodiesel's image. He points out that for soybeans, still the main feedstock for biodiesel in this country, biodiesel adds 25 cents to the price of every bushel of beans sold. You multiply 25 cents times several billion bushels, uh, that makes a pretty good return on investment from the uh, $30 or $40 million that have been invested from farmers' money, checkoff money, into biodiesel industry. Both the ethanol and biodiesel industries will hold their respective conferences in Phoenix, Arizona in February. We'll keep you updated on what they say at those gatherings about pending legislation. 
I'm John Davis reporting. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of DomesticFuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry.